knowledge is power. And if you are going to think that someone else is just going to learn everything for you, then you're not going to be able to move forward. If you can learn what you are entitled to, then your expectations are managed. Then you know what what you're capable of and what the future could hold for you. Welcome to an all new season of Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey, Jane. Hey, girl. She says with trepidation because today's topic... (laughs) Is a tricky one, but it's really one that's so needed for so many women, or at least the need to talk about it is there. Let's talk divorce. It's that dirty word that ladies whisper to each other at luncheons, mouth to each other in school pickup lines, and secretly cry over on phone calls together when they finally feel like they're in private and can let it out. But the reality is over half of marriages in in the United States end in divorce. So it's about time we normalize divorce and treat it as a potential part of life that can be navigated with courage, grace, strategy, and sisterhood. Today on the show, we have T.H. Irwin. She's the co-founder of X-Experts. T.H. and her business partner, Jess, were divorced at the same time and as such relied on one another for support because that's kind of all there was. This was, of course, 13 years ago. Now it's almost the opposite problem. There's so much information out there that it's almost a little oversaturated. No one really knows who to trust or where to look. So Teach and Jess created X-Experts. They lived it, so they get it. They share on everything you need to know about divorce, regardless of where you are in the process, thinking, doing, moving on, et cetera. And they've built out a full media platform to include their website. They do blogs, articles, share information. They have a podcast called Divorce, et cetera. They have videos on YouTube and so much more. Fun fact, TH is also an avid adventurer and outdoor enthusiast. Love that. Having climbed Kilimanjaro and she engages in nonprofit work with organizations like the Center for Hope and Safety and United Breast Cancer Foundation. She lives in New Jersey with her amazing boyfriend, children, and dog, Daisy. And we can't wait to get a full 411 from her today. Listen to this show if you or someone you care about is navigating the complexities of divorce and needs a supportive and empowering guide to thrive through the process. You are curious about the secrets to maintaining strong friendships, family bond, and finding new romance after going through a divorce, or you're eager to discover proven strategies and heartfelt anecdotes on how to gracefully move on from a challenging past. TH, welcome. I am so grateful to have you here today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. So this is Jamie. Uh, Obviously, we connected. We were connected just a little while back, and I have had the pleasure of sitting with you and hearing your story, and I was just floored. And it was that day, actually, that I pinged Heidi, and I was like, dude, we have to have her on. We need her to give this insight to our listeners. But first and foremost, I just want you to share a little bit about your story and how you got to this very, very sensitive topic and how it relates to you. So... I had met my husband, you know, after college and my best friend and I got engaged a month apart, married a month apart. And we were like, you know, the pretty people around town. We belonged in the country club. We had pretty kids and we had jobs and cars and houses and apartments and whatever. So the four of us were the closest of friends. As close as Jessica and I were, we were not sharing what was going on in our marriages and how upset we were with what was going on because we weren't willing to face it ourselves. You know, when you put something out into the world, then it becomes real. If you don't talk about it, then it's it's not really happening, right? 
So 13 years into our marriages, we found out that our husbands were cheating on us with other women and covering for one another and traveling with their women. Okay. So I just saw Heidi's jaw drop, but I have another little fun detail here. Mine was actually engaged. I found out because she wanted to make sure I wasn't still married to him because she was engaged to him. I got this call on the carpool line. My son was four. My daughter was six. My other daughter was eight. And she called me and I was like, who is this? Is this like insurance or something? Like, who are you? So she explains that she's engaged. And I said, you just saved my life. You literally just saved my life. I have been suffocating in this marriage, afraid to leave. I'd be the worst mom. Where do I even begin? I was in an emotionally abusive marriage and I believed everything. And so when she told me, I was like, holy, can I curse? Yeah. Holy fuck. I am not crazy. There is nothing wrong with me. He's wrong. I was right. And just having that validation, I felt like I dropped like two tons off my head and shoulders in that moment. And then I was back to TH, ready to mobilize, like, let's go, let's figure this shit out and move on with my life. But Jessica found out that her husband was cheating probably three days before I found about found out about my husband. So we were lock in step with each other, which I know is wow. unheard of, really. Two best friends the exact same time, unless, you know, there's like cheating with each other's spouses. You don't really right. find out about this like ridiculous situation. Can I ask you a question? Whatever you want. Quick question, because I here's what I am hearing. So, you know, I, I have this whole framework that I call gratitudeology and I believe so strongly in like, you know, it, that gratitude is the key to happiness. And so I really work hard in my own practice on, on finding, I guess, what you would call the silver lining. I think there's probably a lot of people out there that hear your story and they're like, damn, that is amazing that she was able to immediately reframe that and see it as dead weight and be like, well, fuck, you just saved my life. Let me move on and let me remobilize. But that might sound rather impossible to a majority of women who being cheated on is so unbelievably yes. difficult. Yes. Can you give any advice? How did you find the reframe? Was it just because he'd been so emotionally abusive that all of a sudden you're like, it wasn't gaslighting, it was real? Or is there anything else you did to help bypass the hurt and go kind of right to like processing the feelings of like anger and fuck him, let's move on? So there was nothing rational about anything I did. Clearly nothing was planned. But my marriage was over way before I found out about the cheating. I mean, years, at least five years before. I was miserable. And it was a slow burn when you're with somebody like that. So you, you have, I had lost myself and just become someone who kind of existed. So I never had an action plan. I did go and speak to lawyers and I even went to a therapist and I told him everything. And he goes, listen, you got two choices. You can stay and eat shit or you can leave. And I still stayed because I was scared, the fear, the unknown. It's massive. And I've got three kids. It wasn't just about me. So I like to think that I would have still gotten out of my marriage if I hadn't had that call that saved my life. But as far as you know, what I would tell other people that we share with a lot of people now with ex-experts is the number one thing is Nothing, none of that was my fault. 
there was a lot that was my fault that I take responsibility for my marriage not working, but that affair was not mine. That was not, that's not on my plate. That's not one of the things. The things are that I enabled bad behavior. I allowed someone to treat me like shit. I allowed someone to disrespect me. I didn't stand up for myself for many, many, many reasons, but you have to kind of take the time to figure that out. So for anybody who hears this shocking news, which for Jessica was a shock, she, her whole identity was her husband. Half her life was spent with him. So who was she without him? She was very sad. She was starting a huge job three days later, spent the whole weekend crying and was able to compartmentalize, which she knows is not really the healthiest way to go, but th that's survival mode for her at that time. So for anybody who finds out this news, if you really sit back for a minute, you're not 100% surprised. You're not. You had a feeling in your gut that things were not right. You saw things that you didn't want to see. You heard things that you didn't want to hear. And I get it. I did it. Like that was my full armor. If you, If I can't hear it, you can't hurt me. If I don't see it, I don't know about it. But that denial only hurts yourself. So for people who are going through it, take a minute, digest, be by yourself, cry, lean on the people who you can trust, who are not the gossipers. Just give yourself some grace to be a human being who found out about something that could embarrass you, that you might feel shame about, that's humiliating, all of it. It's all super ugly. And now then you got to go through a whole process. So that's what I would really say. Give yourself grace and a minute to really digest things and let it process. I think that's beautiful advice. I want to circle back. This is Heidi speaking now. I want to circle back to something you said while you were speaking and you talked about fear. Mm -hmm. You talked about staying in a marriage because, with, because of fear. Yeah. And I think from, you know, sort of people I know, what I've known, anecdotes I've read, that's very common yep. that people stay in a marriage because of the fear of the unknown. Like, what does it look like? And perhaps the spouse is gaslighting them that like, you'll get nothing, you'll be nothing. You, you know, that's, I think, a part of it. Yep. You also spoke about emotional blackmail and I think that's, or emotional abuse. And I think that's also fairly common when people are headed towards a divorce. Did you feel like you had any sort of leg up because your spouse cheated on you? Like, does that help in a divorce? Is that give you something better? Or does that it just like gives you the full it's like carte blanche to like leave? I think that for Jessica and for I, for me, um, being able to point a finger and be like, he's the bad guy or she's the bad guy because she or he cheated. Mm-hmm. There's no other conversation that has to be had. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. But before that, I would have had to explain emotional abuse to people. I would have had to explain how miserable I was. Was that okay? Was that really enough to get a divorce? It's just feeling like you might be judged. I know a lot of people that we work with and we have spoken with, the number one fear is that you are going to be broke on your ass on the street. You are a stay-at-home mom. You've never had a job. You don't know anything about money. You have limited access or use for a computer. How are you ever going to support yourself? And that could be chirped in your ear a million times over just to reinforce that fear. 
But money is the number one reason that a lot of people stay. And they say it's for the kids, but money's number one. But it, don't they kind of coexist? Because it's like if your husband or whomever, if the, if the abusive spouse is in your ear being like, you'll get nothing, you'll have nothing, you don't have any money, you've done nothing because you've been at home for all these years, you know, supporting my ass. You know, you know what I mean? Like supporting the person who's screaming at you. But it's, it's also sort of like a fear of like, if you can't support your children, will you get custody of them, right? Isn't that sort of a, don't those kind of go hand in hand? Because how will you get custody of your kids if you can't afford it? So I am going to eliminate that myth right now, okay? The norm in this country is 50-50 custody. And I never thought about my kid as a percentage before I was getting a divorce, but that's divorce talk. So even in physically abusive situations sometimes and addiction cases sometimes, there's still shared custody. So I would separate them because you're not going to lose your kids unless you are 100% proven an incompetent parent, incapable, causing harm, all of the things, even with supervised visits. That's very rarely the case. And I think that there are a lot of people out there who shouldn't have any custody, but do anyway, because that's in general how the courts see it. Now, it could be you know more extreme in certain states, but for the tri-state area and definitely New Jersey, that's what we've been hearing from our experts. And it does go hand in hand a little bit, but you have to learn how to support yourself. If you can't support yourself, you can forget about your kids. It's just not going to be in the cards for you. So if you've been a stay-at-home mom, and there are some that we have spoken with who do not want to get a job, they want to live in the lifestyle to which they've become accustomed. That is also not going to happen. You're not going to lose your kids, and you're not living in the lifestyle to which you've become accustomed unless you're divorcing Kevin Costner or whoever's right. got a gazillion dollars, you get $60,000 a month, which is just right. like, it doesn't it's work crazy. Like that. If you're normal like the rest of us, you will go and you will get your butt in gear and get it together and get a job. And then if you want, get another job and we help you with all of those things. So you will not lose your kids. You can get a job and you can support yourself, which means you can support your kids. So let's talk about that a little bit. You know, you said you, this is the stuff that we help you with. Like, I think, you know, X Experts is such an incredible platform. And obviously, you have a lot of media properties under that and a lot of advice kind of info products, right? The podcast and the website and the blogs and the articles. As far as really where somebody would start and consulting with them and helping them figure out what putting one foot in front of the other, what are some things that you help people with that maybe people would find surprising? We have people, I think that most of the people that we help right now are in the process of thinking about it. I would say the majority are thinking about it and are in that stage of fear, Heidi, that you were asking me about. And you guys know that knowledge is power. And if you are going to think that someone else is just going to learn everything for you, then you're not going to be able to move forward. If you can learn what you are entitled to, then your expectations are managed. Then you know it's what you're capable of and what the future could hold for you. So ex-expert, Jessica and I created ex-experts and divorce, et cetera, podcasts because there were no resources. And now all these years later, 
there is so much junk out there that we have created this vetted one-stop shop that is 100% trustworthy. You don't have to look anywhere else. We have vetted everybody. We talk about good, bad, ugly, everything. Should I stay or should I go? I mean, what should I do? There, there is a great expert that we met with and we asked her that question. And she said, if you can't sit down with your significant other, husband, wife, whatever, and talk about things that are uncomfortable and go to them and say, I'm really, I think that we need to have a talk about our relationship, then there is your answer. You need to be able to talk about hard things. I was walking on eggshells. We did not talk about anything ever, ever, nothing. But isn't that like a terrible place to be to get a divorce? Because like then isn't divorce like extra, extra, extra painful? Like I just imagine, so I am a child of divorce and it was, it, it was every piece of my life. I was like, I think I was like five. My parents didn't, they were not in the same room again until my graduations. And then I like didn't want to get married because I didn't want a wedding because I didn't want them to be in the same room. Like it was that mm. bad. And I yeah. just think back to that and I'm like, and so there was no co-parenting. And it's like, how do you co-parent if you can't even have a difficult conversation? Because then it's not like you're not even pretending to try to be in a relationship anymore, right? So how does that work? So co-parenting can look very different for a lot of people. Jessica breaks bread with her ex-husband. They celebrate Mother's Day together, Father to, Father's Day together, just the two of them and their two kids. Forget about the outlaws and the out-siblings and all the other peripheral people. I will never do that. I have zero interest in being around him, his wife, and his now child. I co-parent with him, though. I handle my relationship with him as a business transaction. I have no respect for him or her or anything about them. He never took responsibility for what he did. And in fact, he asked me who told his girlfriend that he was married. That's the first thing he said to me. So that's the kind of person that I was, so I handle business and not everybody is like him. Not everybody is that. But some people are. Some people are and some people have narcissistic tendencies, but that word is like the hot word around town. And there is a difference between a narcissist and an asshole. And we did mm -hmm. a two-part series on that because Jessica was married to an asshole. I was married mm -hmm. to a narcissist. Right. The difference is that there's recovery for me coming out of a relationship with a true narcissist to not repeat bad patterns, to build my confidence, to identify who I really am, not who I'm told to be. For Jessica, she still had her identity and her you know, independence and stuff. She just, she, she picked a guy who, who is a cheater, but he's not a bad human and he wants success for her. No one can exist in my ex's world. He, he runs his world and you're fortunate to live in it. Mm -hmm. You can co-parent with anybody is all I'm saying. I do not talk shit about my ex in front of my kids. I never have. He can make his own bed. Does he talk shit about you? Yes. Yep. Especially at the beginning, and I would try to empower my kids to say, Dad, please stop doing that. But they were afraid. And so I can't blame them for that. The only person he's hurting is them. But as they have gotten older, they're now 23, 22, and 19, they stand up to him. And I just didn't want to be the dirty dog. He'll make his own bed. 
-hmm. it'll be heir apparent having nothing to do with me. So you can co-parent with anybody. I'm a better co-parent with him than I was a parent with him as a married couple. Right. Because you remove all the emotional That's strife. right. You just handle business. I can tell you as an adult child of divorced parents who I had a different experience than Heidi though. Like when my mom told me they were getting divorced, I was like, good for you. That's <laughs> that's a good idea. Like right. I wasn't old enough to remember it, James. You no, know, Heidi, you were younger yeah, 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 and yeah, it was yeah. different. Yeah, um, yeah. At mine, I was 10 and I was like, yeah, that tracks. That sounds like a good plan. I, you know, I kind of just felt it coming. And also I thought it was a good idea. I didn't think my parents should really be together. Right. And so, and I had a lot of strife with my dad. It was water under the bridge now, whatever. But what I can tell you is having a mom who never talked shit and could have, and having a father who did mm-hmm. and didn't do, that so quickly became apparent to me. And yeah, I was not influenced by the one who was talking dirty. I was, in fact, saw right through it and and really respected my parent who kept her mouth shut and did it with grace. So I do think kids get it, or at least I did. That's my own experience. It was very apparent what was going on to me, even as a child. And you take in what you can take in. Like my daughter had a teacher who we told who really was like, an amazing support for her going through all of it because none of her friends' parents were divorced. She was alone, my oldest. My younger daughter had a few friends and my son would just show up at this banana split support group I started and she'd be like, your son's here. Is that all right? I'm like, yeah, like everybody's getting a divorce now. (laughs) We actually have two amazing ex-experts who are children of divorce. One of them started a blog called A Kid From Two Homes. And the other one wrote a book called Divorce Tips from a Child of Divorce. And they're awesome, young, savvy ladies who are teaching parents how to do better for their kids based on their age, based on their personalities, because they're very different girls themselves. Um, so there are there are a lot of great resources that we have for you if you know, if you need it. And there's no downside to listening to either one of them because we don't know the half of it, what goes on in your minds when you're young. So let me ask you a question about discovering your identity after a divorce, Mm -hmm. because I am so impressed with your journey since. And we talked a little bit in the intro about some of the amazing things that you do today and the the life and the family that you've built today. So discovering your identity is a very powerful concept in general. I think after divorce, it takes on a whole new shape. Can you share some strategies or steps that you found helpful in kind of rediscovering and rebuilding your sense of self during and after that divorce process? It's it's during. Like the minute you know you're getting a divorce, that's the first day of the rest of your life. You can either sink or swim. And we have a lot of people who join toxic Facebook groups that just literally spew venom. And you will never Find your way if you listen to a lot of negative messages where everybody's just ranting and raging about how horrible their ex is and how great they are. So the first thing I would say is don't be in those groups, okay? Because you will never figure out who you are and you will never move forward. You will – we speak to people who – who now like 10 years later are still so angry And I'm like, God, just let it go already. Look, I don't forgive my ex for what he did, but I accept it. I accept it. It happened. And now it's time to move on. I will say the number one thing that anybody, 
I believe in it for every human, but especially going through trauma like divorce, you must find a phenomenal therapist who you trust, who sees the situation. She's the one who told me that my ex was a narcissist. I didn't even know what that word was. And then she explained, I'm going to teach you how to be Teflon. You're going to learn how to identify words as noise versus fact. She's the one who told me no texting. She's the one who told me to handle a business transaction. No, no texting with him? He used to harass me through text messages, 30, 40 at night, saying how this was all my fault and how I, oh. I'm responsible for ruining our family. Oh, my God. So I, no text messages. So creating, finding a therapist, creating boundaries. I am only going to communicate with you in a way, you don't have to tell your ex this, but thinking for yourself, you only communicate in a way that works for you. If email works for you, then that's how you communicate with your soon-to-be ex going forward, especially during the contentious years of negotiating the actual divorce. Some people say, you know, oh, my ex wants to meet me in person and kind of figure out the money and stuff. And I said, well, how do you feel about that? And she said, I... I don't think I can sit in a room with him. I said, well, then you're not meeting him in person, are you? And, and make a plan. So find a great therapist, set up boundaries for yourself. Do not put yourself in compromising positions for the sake of the kids. I went to birthday parties for my daughter with my ex, with his fiance and my other kids. And I was having a full on panic attack while sitting there. You don't have to do those things. So those are the first things that I would say. And as far as finding your identity, you need to be active in the world. To find yourself, you have to continue to engage with people. You have to talk to people. You have to learn that, you know what? She's actually not really a great friend. And he is like super nosy and I don't want to be around him anymore. And all of those little steps and, and interactions and experiences will help you ultimately figure out what you like, what you don't like, what you want, which all builds your character of your identity. And just to seal the deal on it, for uh, I would say like six years ago, um, I really didn't want my last name to be the same as his anymore because, of course, he's married and everything. And this young girl that I was working with who is also a child of divorce, she goes, you know what, TH, why don't you just do it as a gift for yourself? Just change your name. Mm -hmm. And I was like, God, you know what? It's Everybody knows I'm their mom. Everybody yeah. knows they're my kids. Does it really matter what my last name is? And of course, TH helps because nobody calls me Mrs. Anything. <laughs> So I, I really looked at it as a gift to myself. So I went back to my maiden name and that was kind of like my full circle moment. Like I've grown, I've been in romantic relationships, I've had new friendships, I've gotten rid of friends, I've had a few career changes since, but I have never been happier than I am right now and I would never have found my identity if I stayed in that marriage. So obviously now you have a ton of information at your disposal and you've learned a lot and you've gone through the learning curve and all the bumps that you've hit on the way help you help others now. Yeah. Is there anything looking back on your own divorce journey 
that you wish that you had understood better at the beginning? And, you know, because basically, obviously what you've learned shapes how you work, you know, with the people you do now at X Expert. Yep. So is there one or two things that you really wish you knew then? I wish I knew that my gut could be trusted with my lawyer, with my ex, with decisions that were being made, with questions that were coming my way. It was okay to trust my gut. I was really unhappy. I would I was going to be okay. So I wish I knew I was going to be okay. And I wish I believed what my gut kept telling me that I just wasn't listening to. As far as the actual legal process, so much is out of your control, but what is in your control is the way you respond, the way you engage or don't engage. And that's also with your lawyer. My lawyer was a shark bulldog. I don't even know what to say, Um, but so is his. And they weren't interested in settling. And we were in a four-year divorce negotiation. I could have stood up. She works for me. I don't work for her. And we never Mm -hmm. stood up to her because we figured she's the lawyer. She's the top dog. She knows I should just listen to her. And if it doesn't feel right, maybe it's because I'm uncomfortable. But the truth is, if it doesn't feel right, then you need to speak up. It's your money. It's your time. It's your life. So I think if I had spoken up a little earlier, maybe I could have shaved off six months and maybe one expert. But there was a lot out of my control divorcing, you know, the man that I was divorcing. So trusting your gut, having a really good support system, keep it tight. Keep it tight and quiet who supports you. Do not go around town telling everybody your business. And, and look, my mother is part of the toxic crew, and I couldn't get rid of her, obviously. So building boundaries also meant with her. You might have loved ones who are like, you know, you should really stay. He's really a great guy. You know, you're being a bad mom. Hmm. So you can remove yourself from your marriage, but you can't remove yourself from family members who also speak to you that way. So distance yourself from those people until you're ready to stand up to those people. My mother never came to court. She never came to a meeting with the lawyers, only my dad. And I did tell him that she wasn't invited. And I didn't really care about her feelings because I was like treading water. So those are really, those are the biggest things. There's so many and it's based on everybody's situation. But those are honestly the biggest things that I, that I wish I knew. I want to shift the topic just to kids mm-hmm. a little deeper, like emotionally. I think anybody contemplating a divorce, that is their first thought. And you've mentioned this several times, of course, in this in this episode. We were going to stay together for the kids, but what about the kids? I don't want to put the kids through a divorce. You know, Heidi and I each shared our own personal story. For me, I was actually kind of like relieved in a, in a way. Um, Heidi's was very difficult. Every divorce is different. Do you have any advice? Is there anything that you would do differently if you could do it over? Is there anything you see people doing that as an ex-expert from the outsider's perspective, you're like, whoa, here's a real red flag of things people could be doing better, but they're just sucked into maybe telling the kids too much or doing this, that, or the other. So Jessica and I actually created our own rule book because there are many things you shouldn't do. But one of Jessica's rules that I really like is don't talk shit about your ex, which is what we talked about before. Literally, like never. Never, only to your therapist. You can spew it there. You can write in a journal. 
You can scream into a voice memo if no one's home. Your kids are always listening. Always. They're watching you and listening. So that's number one. Number two is you're doing the best you can. You're only human. I was happy to be out of my marriage, but I had three little kids who were looking to their dad and they're like, oh my God, where has he been for four years? And oh my God, now he's here. Why are you not being nice to him? I wasn't telling them everything or anything really. I sat with him to tell them that we have decided to get a divorce, but it doesn't mean we don't both love you. And I went and spent the whole day with this guy and my kids for my kids. So there's a lot that you do for your kids. That conversation, I felt like it was important for me to be there. But other than that, that's it. So another big rule of ours is really focus on your kids because you are going to be so sucked into the divorce process and all the stuff that swirls around it that you almost have to make a date with your kids. And that's okay. Put it on the calendar. Guys, Sunday, we're doing brunches. You know, Saturday nights, movie night, depending obviously on how old they are. I moved into a new home the minute I knew I was separated. And we had a huge living room that was empty. So we would have dance parties. And so start new traditions with your kids. They each got to pick a song and we would dance around for however long each of our songs played. And we did that all the time. There was no regular schedule. I was kind of like, well, you know, if things are feeling uncomfortable in the house, time for a dance party. And I don't know where I came up with that, but my kids to this day remember dance parties. So start new traditions. It's hard Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever your holidays were that you were celebrating is with your, you know, in-laws who become outlaws. Whatever your traditions were, it's okay to start new traditions. I go away Thanksgiving when I don't have my kids. I'm okay with that. And then when I do have them, I, I make, you know, we do stuff, but it's not the way it used to be and it'll never be the same again. So it's okay to start new traditions with them and they're never going to forget the old memories when everyone was together. I mean, do you guys feel that way as being a child of divorce? Like, do you, well, Heidi, you were super young, but you know, like the grandparents, everybody came together and then where is everybody? Like it's all new now. Heidi, do you have insight? Oh, I mean, I, I may have been four. Like, oh, I don't remember yeah, like my age. Yeah. yeah, I do not remember life before divorce. And both of my parents got remarried and had new children within the year. So, oh my goodness. It, you know, it didn't feel like anyone was missing, yeah. you know? Right, <laughs> it was right, like right. More, right. maybe a little, that sounds a little chaotic. You know, what I, what I liked that uh, one thing that my mom did that I think was really smart was because she was the one who was moving out. She made the designing of the new house. And even like I got to, she, she took me cause I was the oldest. So first we went to like Bloomingdale's and we picked out bedding. So I got to have a say in making this new space and making it mine and mm -hmm. cozy. And I felt very excited about that, about getting to design a room and it was my room and it was my new room. And so she made it really fun. And she also imbued me with a sense of like, okay, I'm sharing this with you and then you can kind of help me with the younger two, your sisters, even just down to, it doesn't even have to be as big as a bed, just like picking out the shampoo that was going to be in our new shower. Right. And I remember that being a big deal, you know, at it 10. Is. That she, yeah. So I, I think she did that very well, yeah. kind of bringing me into the process where I got to feel some ownership instead of feeling disempowered. 
A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's awesome. And we talk about that, not even for you guys, but, you know, when you're going through the process and everything's being negotiated, everybody's looking at how much money you're spending. Everybody. Until the divorce is over, no one's spending money. But it doesn't mean that you can't have a place to put your head down at night that feels really good and new. I did get rid of my mattress. It was the first thing I did. And I did a payment plan for a new mattress. <laughs> and then I got yummy towels. I got candles. I made my bedroom like my little sanctuary because another really important rule is to make time for yourself. Mm-hmm. You're busy doing taking care of the kids and managing your parents and the divorce and I got a job and your friends and everybody. If you do not take out time for yourself every day, you are going to lose yourself. You will not find your identity. You will not move on. You will literally drown. So even if it's five-minute meditation or writing in your journal or sitting outside or making your coffee, I work out every single morning because that's my therapy. And some days I'm like, God, that wasn't even really a workout. But at least I got 15 minutes to clear my head. And so don't lose yourself through all of this. You are not being selfish by making time for yourself. You're not. I mean, it sounds like, Jane, I feel like she just answered the karma call. I was just about to say, it's actually the perfect way. So we're going to segue, and maybe you just answered it, but feel free to elaborate or or say it again. But here's the thing. We have a great last segment we always like to do. I'm going to sing it, then I'm going to turn it over to Heidi. It is called Karma Call. I have to say that I'm loving that you're closing your eyes these days when you sing. It's I'm really getting into it. I'm guys, feeling you can't the see energy. Jamie. She's like hugging the mic. Like all <laughs> out it's kind of amazing. Thanks, Jamie. You're the best. Um, okay. So, Tate, we tell everyone every week, ask all of our amazing, inspiring guests, that is you, because karma is the Sanskrit word for action. What is one small actionable item that our listeners could try out for a short period of time that would yield a large result? So small action, big result. That's why we thought you maybe answered it already. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think I really do go back to that, but really discovering what that thing is. I love to take a bath. And until I get to the point that it's just too hot or I'm going to fall asleep, that is something I do for myself. That does not cost you any money. You can do a lot of things that don't cost you any money, but are so, give so much value. They're like priceless. I would say like really taking a bath, taking taking time for myself. I schedule my time for myself without any, with, without feeling bad ever, ever. Yeah. If mom's not happy, nobody's happy. You got to yes. take care yeah, of yourself. And that's friends too. Like I don't want to engage with people. I don't want to talk to people. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not afraid to say, you know, I don't feel like going out. Yeah. I don't feel like it. And that's okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll just end with this. It sounds like, you know, I think there's probably a lot of, as much as there's fear of being quote unquote on your own, there's got to be a new level of independence. And like, I am woman, hear me roar, this newfound power that you're like, holy shit, I can do that. Yep. Yes. Yeah. My, my life is phenomenal. It was phenomenal the day that I found out that my marriage was over. I know that sounds crazy but it's really true. Um, The second best day was four years later when my divorce was finalized. And I just, so I separated in May. My anniversary would have been September. 
And I didn't want it to be my anniversary. I just didn't want it to be my anniversary on that date. So 20 of my friends and I went downtown in New York to Bagatelle. We danced on tables all night. We stayed in the city. We got economy candy and ate shit the whole next day. And that is how I remember my anniversary. So you can change things up, surround yourself with the best people in your life. A lot of people are going to fall by the wayside and just let them go because they serve you no good for your future. And I've had fabulous careers since this. I mean, just really awesome engagement with people and meeting awesome people. I think the big thing is that I'm now living my life and not existing. I am very present in my life. I'm all in. I'm not going to miss a single thing in my life ever again. Such beautiful advice and very inspiring for anybody who's thinking about going through this process that it might be a life improvement, but it sounds like a scary one to make. So here's living proof that things can get better, stronger, and even more amazing. Thank you so much, TH, for being here with us, sharing this wisdom. Hey, where can people go to find you and all of your expertise on the gram and online? The first place you should go is our website. It's exexperts.com, E-X-E-X-P-E-R-T-S.com. If you just listen to podcasts, you can find Divorce Etc. on all podcast platforms and all social media. It's We really work hard to put up something every day. TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, we're not doing threads. Um, and we're not doing that. So those are the only two that we just don't have the bandwidth for. But you can email us, hello at xexperts. I can help you navigate your way, give you the information you need. We meet you where you are, not where you want to be, because you'll get there. But we meet you where you are, because that's, that's, your, that's your first step. So amazing amazing well thank you for helping women out there far and wide we appreciate you and thank you everybody for tuning in hey don't forget to subscribe to this show so you never miss an episode and don't forget to follow us on the gram at off the gram podcast we'll see you next time